You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that ever ends, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, the Locked On Browns podcast brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Odyssey, make sure you're following, subscribed to the Lockdown Browns podcast, five-star ratings, written reviews, please and thank you, everybody. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself, uh, Lockdown Browns, follow-back account, DMs are open. We hit the 10K mark, so I appreciate everybody uh, for making that happen. Um, we've mentioned this you know, in the past few days, but it is not too late to listen to the Ultimate Season Preview 2021. For previews of every team in every division from our local experts and, of course, Odyssey's NFL experts, search the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. And, again, it's great when we can team up from the folks at Odyssey, you know, whether it's a Michael Irvin, whether it's a Brian Baldinger, um, and just you know, as the network grows, the shows grow. It, it's just great to have these opportunities. Um, we get to put our thoughts out there, you know, and it's fun every now and then, whether you like it or not, to be criticized by a Michael Irvin or a Brian Baldinger, whatever it is, what it is. You know, you have your fun with that. We are going to sit. Um, we we don't bring Justin in a ton, and you know, Justin Higdon, you know, how uh, now has you know relaunched the uh, draft breakdown pod. Uh, so if you're not checking that out, do if you would like to uh, go ahead throw a couple of shekels away, get some of that information earlier. Um, Justin does have some daughters to feed, so that would be a great idea if you wanted to go do that for Justin and his family uh, at AFC to NFC, Mr. Justin Higdon. Justin, here we are, and this will be Friday's episode, but just keep in mind as we're talking about it, recording Wednesday evening. Um, so we're going to, you know, just go so everybody knows, God forbid there's a glitch somewhere when it finally do, does go to publication. Justin, the family, the life, but I mean, here we are, you know, Wednesday night, season opener of the 2021 20, season, less than 24 hours away. But you just can't stop thinking about the potential of what is here for this Browns franchise. Yeah, I mean, this has got to be the most exciting uh, start to a Browns season since at least 2008, right? They, they finished 2007 season. They went 10-6. and six. They missed the playoffs that year. <clears throat> they made some additions you know, Phil Savage had traded for some defensive linemen, traded some high picks, and uh, people were really charged up. They really thought that Browns team was was going to be a contender. Obviously, we know that did not turn out very well, and it kind of led us down another road of futility for a while. But <laughs> I think this is a completely different scenario. This is a completely different build. This is a completely different Browns organization. It really seems like for the first time that uh, – probably since you know the early 90s that this team has like a really good uh, plan and foundation in place you got Mayfield he uh, rebounded after you know a little sophomore slump he he looked uh, like he was a really good fit for Stefanski's offense you got Nick Chubb everybody's excited about him he's one of the probably top two or three running backs in the league right now and uh, and they have Kareem Hunt to spell him so that Chubb doesn't wear down and then you got Odell Beckham's coming back this year. Landry's there. He, and then you have young guys, too. 
Diamond Peoples Jones is emerging as as a legit number three receiver. And then on over on the defensive side, we knew that was the team's weakness going into the offseason. So what do they do? They get Jadavian Clowney. They get John Johnson for the back end of the defense. They add out Anthony Walker for the linebacking core. So you really have a team that's being built the right way, I think. They're using draft picks. They're not selling out, making dumb trades. They're they're finding bargains where they can, and they're taking chances where they can. And I really am excited about it because um, I, I really love the, the Stefanski, Andrew Berry, Paul D. Podesta trifecta. I think that the thing is, and you know, you got to hear uh, Paul D. Podesta a little bit today on uh, Browns Daily. But the thing is, is everything is so uniform. I mean, yes, you hear a little bit different. Obviously, you know, voices are different. But when you hear them all speak, it's like gospel. I mean, you know, whatever you know, they are labeling as their Bible, everybody is bought into the word that is coming from it. And this, Justin, this is one thing. You know, I've done some things, you know, with some Kansas City Chiefs folks this week. And I think this is the one thing people aren't understanding on the defensive side of the ball. Not only did they bring in more talent, they brought in more athletic players. They brought in faster players. They brought in, and as you mentioned with Anthony Walker and John Johnson III, just general, more intelligent football players. I mean, both these guys were the green dots for the respective defenses last year in the Rams and with the Colts. This has been a really good thing. Look, we know the offense. We know the primary players. And it's nice to see somebody like Donovan Peoples-Jones step up. And, you know, you have Schwartz and Felton and everybody who loves them. I'll be honest, guys. I don't know what we're going to see of them or when we're going to see it of them because if everything breaks right, these guys are not going to be highly involved early. But the defensive side of the ball, and again, look, we have not seen anything yet. And we always go on Locked on Browns with the um, you know, the the few good men approach of, and this is actually funny for Justin, ironic, something that went on pre-show. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what I can prove. So we need to see what comes from this Browns defense and it, you hate to say, well, you look at what it is on paper, but man, what uh, is on paper, it's kind of got almost like a, a splice of everything blended together. Yeah. And Jeff, I want to address the fact that I just invented a word. I said trifectorate. I meant triumvirate, but you know, it's, we're good. We can invent words here and there, right? Young kids, um, whatever. I mean, this happens, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We lose our way every now and then. But, you know, you talked about the, the young guys and, and you're right. I don't think we're going to see a people's Jones have like an immediate impact, you know, outside of a catch here or there, a catch or two per game, because you're going to, he seems like such a guy who'd be a three for 70 in a score, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. Or the next week, one for 24. You yeah, know? exactly. Cause you're going to have Beckham and uh, Landry. Those guys are going to get their targets and you got uh, the tight ends, Hooper and, uh, and Joku, you know, he, he really looked good in the playoffs. But, you know, the thing about the additions that the Browns made on defense that I think is so key is they looked at the way that Tampa Bay attacked Kansas City in the Super Bowl, right? It was pressure. They got pressure on Mahomes. The pressure from the front four, they were able to get pressure from that front four, and that freed up the linebackers to make some plays out in coverage. So if you can get pressure, that's how you have to beat Kansas City. You can't do a bunch of blitzing. You can't do a bunch of running around. You have to attack them with pressure from the, from the front four because if you are sending guys on a blitz, whatever, Mahomes is going to find the open guy. So that's where the 
addition of Clowney comes in. That's where the addition of Malik McDowell. We saw how he's he come, you know, what a bargain that guy is. Right now, what we're seeing is he's collapsing the middle of the, the offensive line, and that's going to free up pressure uh, opportunities for Clowney and, and Miles Garrett. They're going to need some, some of, uh, of that out of Jordan Elliott as well. They're hoping Andrew Billings can clog the middle. But that's what they, they are trying to do. They are trying to get pressure with that front four. You know, um, the, I would have liked them to, to have picked up a, another defensive end earlier in the draft. But, you know, that this class was so weird. This draft class was so weird. I think they did a good job making do. But that's what they're doing. They're trying to create pressure with that front four. They, then they have some linebackers who can run around. Unfortunately, we lost uh, Jacob Phillips. We're not going to get a chance to see him this year. And I thought he was going to be big for them, a big athletic linebacker. But, you know, Walker's there. Um, and, of course, JOK. Everybody wants to see that guy play. He's probably going to be uh, eased in, but it looks like he's going to be a big part of what they do. Well, you know, Jacob Phillips, look, the story is not completely over yet. You know, he is put on R. There is the possibility he can come back. Um, we've done the work. We've kind of done the research on, you know, blowing out your bicep. I don't know how it works or how he comes back, but they're still not essentially, you know, ruling that there isn't a possibility he can come back. But this is what's interesting. And now this is what I was trying to say, where we bring in everybody and you kind of blend it all in together and everybody brings something. JOK is a hitter. Justin like I mean he does not care like you know the old line no regard for it he doesn't and when you're talking about you know playing against quarterbacks who certainly have mobility you know whether it's to either extend the play to find an open passing window or picking up passing yards you, these guys whether it's Lamar Jackson Josh Allen um, you know certainly you know Patrick Mahomes you're going to start turning into a running back now. You have to understand that Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa is salivating at that opportunity. So as opposed to maybe turning a corner where you could pick up 12, 13, you might want to step out about four or five because if you're now treated like a running back, there is no doubt in anyone's mind that Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa has absolutely total intention of treating you like he would any other running back. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point because I was going to bring up the fact that the Browns kind of caught a break in their playoff game. You know, the, the, it was a narrow loss to Kansas City. The Browns had a shot at the end, and unfortunately, nobody could stop uh, a scramble by Chad Henney. But the Browns had <laughs> caught a break in that Mahomes had gotten knocked out of the game earlier in the game. So you have to look at this game a little bit differently. You, you obviously you can't count on Mahomes getting knocked out of the game. You have to think about a, an entire game of Patrick Mahomes, and um, you know I, I think maybe maybe uh, Tampa Bay caught a break too because Mahomes probably wasn't all the way back to full health when they when they were able to get all that pressure on him. But that's you know the Browns were looking to add speed. I always thought, and, and it was I forget who said this originally, but I, I subscribed to this idea you got to draft to win games in your division. So I think by drafting all the speed on defense, not only are they drafting to win games in the division against Baltimore, who's giving them fits with, with Lamar Jackson, but also you have the added bonus of drafting to attack Kansas City because everybody knows they're with Mahomes there, they look like they're going to be the top dog in the AFC for a long time. 
So everything's going to go through Kansas City. And uh, fortunately for Cleveland, they can, you know, it's a double attack because you're you're drafting to beat Lamar Jackson. And fortunately, those same type of players are going to help you against Patrick Mahomes. And look, and for right now, the, the Chiefs are the benchmark in the AFC. And you still have to deal with the fact that, you know, for now, essentially, you know, whatever Pittsburgh did last year, haha, enjoy that. But Baltimore right now is probably the benchmark in the AFC North. And this is, you know, what you're dealing with. And, you know, you have to just say we're putting athletes on athletes and you have to go with this philosophy. And, you know, Baltimore, you know, they have obviously had some significant, you know, injuries, uh, you know, through the past couple of weeks here. Uh, you lose a J.K. Dobbins. You lose a, lose a Justice Hill where maybe you said, if, all right, well, we ha- have Edwards. Justice Hill can maybe do the receiving part. Well, that that element's now out of the building. Um, and then, but Baltimore slowly wants to gravitate away from hopefully having to say, well, Lamar Jackson may be our top rusher. It's not going to, you can't do that forever. It's literally Russian roulette. It's only a matter of time before where you tell this young kid who's your quarterback and is everything that your franchise is based on, you know, you carrying the ball 200 times a year, this is not sustainable. It, it, you know, it's medical fact in the NFL. This isn't a sustainable product. And then you add into the equation that the Browns play the Ravens, get a bye week, play the Ravens again, so they can literally shut down their facility from anything else but just focusing on the Baltimore Ravens for about 20 to 21 days. They need to because Ravens have have been a thorn in their side. I kind of, you know, I get what you're saying 100%, and and you're probably right. Eventually – Lamar Jackson's going to take a hit. You can't bank on it, but you, you yeah. know eventually this is going to come up. But it is clearly their best strategy, though. To, well, <laughs> to I'm sure you ride the ride the wave, baby. Yeah, I mean, you, you've had three 1,000 yard rushing uh, seasons by a quarterback ever, I think, and uh, the, two of them are Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and, and you know, two years ago he's the MVP of the league. So I think, and, and I think that's the approach that Barry and uh, and company are using is approaching it as if that's what their game plan is. Their game plan is that Lamar Jackson's their best running back and he throws the ball too. And uh, so they, they have to be able to match up with the deep speed. They have to be, be able to, to match up with the, the shot plays. And so you've got Greg Newsom now. You have Denzel Ward already there. You have uh, – they've been stocking up back there. Greedy Williams a couple years ago, and they, they brought in uh, Hill from – I think the Rams, right, to to play that slot, that nickel corner spot. So again, though, you you have that this offense in in Baltimore where they can run with their quarterback. Their quarterback's always a threat to to run, so you got to spy him, and that could leave open some deep shots or some one on one deep opportunities. Well, Kansas City's all about that too. It, it's it's all about Tyreek Hill deep down the field, Kelsey down the seam. They're taking shots down the field, and Mahomes buys time with his feet. The difference is Mahomes doesn't take off and run as much, but he still does a lot of running around and buying time with his feet. So, again, uh, not to sound like a broken record, but the ability to prepare for Lamar Jackson and have the added bonus to also help prepare you for facing Patrick Mahomes is key. And I think you can kind of prepare for these two teams in a similar way. You know, Mahomes is going to be a better, more accurate guy down the field as far as the passing game is concerned. But uh, you're still, I think you're preparing in a very similar way for these two teams. So 
all that concentration, all that those three weeks that you're talking about that where they can think nothing but Ravens, that's also what's going to help them in this week one matchup. Uh, I have zero, zero doubts about that. And that's one of the things that I've enjoyed about, you know, and, you know, for anybody who follows the draft and obviously all of us here now, you know, the content we do, it, it's all about taking it, applying it and trying to put yourself in your best 53 out there. And they've done a fantastic job to this point. We're going to get to more with Mr. Justin Agden here in a second. And we were going to switch it up and go Browns offense versus Kansas City. But there is one thing more from the Browns defense I want to talk to Justin with. We'll get to that in just a bit. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, of course, the NFL, NCAA football, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Justin, this is one for me, and I know everybody wants to talk about this, and I agree. Look, we don't know where the Browns' defense is yet. We really like what it could be. But you go into this game, and of course, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. But now the Kansas City Chiefs have gone like crazy kind of rogue, like, all right, Let's just go completely new offensive line. We're gonna. This is a way we're gonna save money. We gave Patrick Mahomes five hundred million dollars. We've got to find a way to save some money somewhere. So now you go brand new offensive line. Three rookies slated to start on this offensive line against players of the ilk of Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell, Tack McKinley, Jordan Elliott. So as much as everybody wants to say, oh well, the Browns defense, da 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 da. What we know following the Browns and, you know, watching the Browns like we do is having a really, really strong offensive line really, really helps and maybe sometimes compensates for some warts. And now here are the Chiefs looking to maybe make this run for Super Bowl number three, Super Bowl appearance number three, I should say. And all of the guys protecting Patrick Mahomes, it is completely brand new. Yeah, the, I really like the uh, the rookies that they got on the interior. Yes, Creed Humphrey and uh, Trey Smith. Trey, Trey Smith. Smith. If it if it, it it's funny that we say a guy from Tennessee was basically glossed over. Yes, Tennessee stunk. Yes, he had some yep. back injuries, but there's no way he should have been a six round pick. He, he could have been a day two pick. You know, we had uh, we actually had uh, on on our draft breakdown podcast we had uh, Sully Chiefs from Twitter on with us the Taco Line. At, at uh during the draft season and trey smith was one of the players that he identified that was was going to be a steal he ends up actually going to the chiefs where sully's a fan of the, of the team so he's thrilled about that obviously but i agreed and i thought that trey smith was a day two caliber player i mean he he did have some injury issues and i think that's why he felt like you said but um i think he's going to be a good player i actually like the way their interior stacks up with with tooney Trey mm-hmm. Smith at guards and Humphrey at center. However, I think <laughs> the Browns can really attack these two offensive tackles. And Orlando Brown's been a very good player, but now he 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 is a right tackle. He's built for right tackle. He can He's do athletic. he can do whatever his father wants him to do. But there's nothing wrong with being a really really good right tackle in the NFL. You know he's he's a right tackle. 
that's the athletic profile that he doesn't have he the has. quick feet. He does not have the quick feet to play and, left. Yeah. You move him to left tackle and he's got to face Miles Garrett. And I think Garrett has a huge advantage with his speed and uh, with his uh, agility where he can beat him with uh, speed outside or he can cross his face and get up inside. And Brown is going to have a hard time keeping his feet in front and stay in front of, of uh, Miles Garrett and, and on and Clowney against Lucas Nyang, I think it's kind of a similar situation. He's just a much more athletic guy. So I don't know what the Browns plan to do. We'll get to see it on, on Sunday. Are they going to switch Clowney and, and Garrett back and forth between left and right end? Cause I think they can do that. Um, you know, Clowney has talked also about kicking inside and going up mm-hmm. against guards and how that's something that he likes to do. We know Garrett can do that too. So it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of wrinkles they have for this defensive line. But I think um, athletically, the tackles on this Kansas City team are where you're going to see a problem matching up athletically against Cleveland. Now, the caveat is you have Cleveland. Some of these players we're talking about have had various injury issues here and there. You know, we didn't see much attack McKinley at all during the preseason. And we don't even know if it's injury, personal, medical. We have no idea. You know, Clowney's had uh, issues off and on. Miles Garrett actually didn't practice today with an illness, Jadavian Clowney. So yeah, yeah, okay. And then Miles Garrett has also uh, been knocked out with injuries, and then last year with COVID. So we got to keep these guys healthy. Uh, the Browns' advantage lies on their side in terms of speed and athleticism. If those guys are healthy, there's not a ton of depth uh, behind them. But if you can get a healthy Garrett and Clowney for you know it's a 17 game season now right 15 games if we can get 15 games see 15 games of them together uh, then i think they're going to pose major problems but that's kind of a that's a major caveat i think yeah and and the thing is and one thing we keep trying to you know talk about here is miles garrett doesn't have very many athletic equals in this world but jadavia and clowny was type of one of those guys. So you kind of get that Spider-Man meme where it's the, Oh, Hey, you know, and, and then you throw in Malik McDowell, which is just gravy, but I do want to get to the offensive side a little bit here. Um, coming into this, you know, facing the chiefs, you know, last year, obviously, you know, the Brown season will begin where it essentially ended last year. You bring Odell to this party. And this is one thing that you saw maybe from the chiefs in that game last year, the chiefs basically said, we don't think there's a vertical threat here. So guess what? We're not going to care about it. We're not going to worry about it. You bit us deep once. Maybe you beat us deep twice. We'll start being more concerned about it. Um, And it never truly came to fruition. But Odell comes in. And obviously, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, where he is, you know, a lot more confident, you know, as the player on his, you know, maturation process as a player within the NFL, he seems a lot more confident where he's going. And this was one of the things, you know, the practices were great, but we want to see a transition into games. And it seemed that wasn't an issue there. And everybody, again, look, we're not talking 60 receptions for Donovan Peoples-Jones. We're maybe talking 35, maybe 40. That's the the, uh, the growth process there for Donovan Peoples-Jones. But getting 13 into this, and this is when it's right. And, you know, look, you have to monitor Odell, and you also have to monitor Odell from Odell himself. Because Odell's going to say, I can play every snap. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But that is not in the best interest for the Browns for 17 games in a playoff run. It's probably not in the best interest for Sunday where you have players who have taken a lot more, you know, practice reps 
preseason reps, but just having the ability where you can put somebody on the field and it's not that Odell is the same speed caliber of Tyree Kill, but we've seen a million instances where Odell catches the ball and somehow Odell ends up in the end zone in the NFL. But bringing a guy like Odell to a game like this is huge, huge for this Browns offense. Yeah, I mean, a great example of what you just said is the the Cowboys game where uh, he he scores on a reverse where it looks like he's going to lose about eight or nine yards at one point. He's so far behind the line of scrimmage. He's Four somehow- years ago, Alden Smith would have pushed him. The ball would have miraculously fell out of Odell's hand, and Alden Smith <laughs> would end up in the end zone. That would have been typical Browns from the past. Right, and instead he's able to avoid the tackle way back behind the line of scrimmage and turn it into a 50-yard touchdown run. That's what, what uh, the Browns were missing down the stretch. And as much as I, I you know, Peoples-Jones made that that great touchdown catch, you know, Higgins played very, very well in the playoffs. But having Odell back is huge. It's, it's just uh, something that it's hard to look back at the playoff run last year because it was such a positive. But still, you wonder what could have been for them if they had a healthy Odell Beckham in that uh, in that playoff run. It would have it, it would have made a difference. I think you have um, you know those guys played their hearts out, but they were missing one of their best players. And you know it's, it's funny because people are you know a lot a lot of the time spent during the off season was spent on how on trying to get him off the team. Trading him or every what year, could they get every him, year, you know, right? And and uh, I'm just I'm a fan that really wanted to see him back on the team, and I know that his time with the team may be short, and as as might uh, Landry's. This might be the last season that we see both of those guys in a Browns uniform. That's what makes the the depth that they have, at least for this season, very good. Um, but we could be looking at a whole new receiving core next year. So this. Beckham being back is huge and a reminder that the Browns have kind of a small window when it comes to these particular receivers with Baker Mayfield. We'll see. Maybe they're able to uh, extend one or both of them on a team-friendly deal, but it seems to me they've got a lot of extensions to dole out and they're going to have to make concessions where they need to. It's it's certainly going to get interesting. And seeing as you've gone here, we'll make this transition here. Yeah, as I said, you know, Justin, obviously now um, they've brought back the draft breakdown pod. So nobody yell at me. This isn't a statement on the ground season because, yes, normally by September we were already in a draft coverage. But we're going to poke the coals a tad bit here <laughs> on some draft coverage. Yeah, why not? Why not? We have to play to the abilities of the guest in-house. We'll course. get to all that here in one second. What is your favorite Bilt Bar flavor? Did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. And if you don't know the Bilt Bar lineup by now, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's a little something for everyone. If you haven't tried any of them yet, I suggest a mixed box where you'll get nine flavors, two of each, 18 bars in total. Not only are the Bilt Bar uh, flavors the best tasting, they're also very healthy too. Most of the bars contain 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. Go to BiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15 
L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Seeing as you kind of teed it up, Justin, um, and as everybody loves to talk here, Browns-wise, usually Ohio State gets associated. If maybe you're going to need a wide receiver in in the 2022 NFL draft, you might want to watch what's going on in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I mean, if the Browns are looking for receiver, and we're, we're hoping that uh, they're picking 32 overall in the first round. But if the Browns need a receiver, you just look no further than right down I-71 there in Ohio. Take I-71 about two hours to Columbus and check out Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. They are two of the, if not the best two wide receivers in college football, they're two of the best. And uh, for my money, they are the best uh, two receivers in this draft class. So uh, 32 might be too late to get these guys. But if you saw them last week uh, on Thursday night against Minnesota, the Buckeyes struggled a little bit in the first half. They have a new starting quarterback, C.J. Stroud's a redshirt freshman. Uh, They had had to go from Justin Fields to a redshirt freshman first-year starter. Not Not an easy task. So that young man struggled in the first half. And in the second half, he was carried. And I, I don't want to sell him short, but he was carried by his receivers, Olave and Wilson. Uh, Chris Olave made the first big play with a catch, uh, crossing all the way across from right to left, all the way to the sideline to make the catch and turning up field for a touchdown. Wilson beat the safety out of the slot deep for another touchdown. And then late in the game, the Buckeyes put it on ice with another Stroud to Olave connection where Olave picked up big yards after the catch. So these two players, I mean, they're not the biggest guys. They're built. Both of them are kind of built like Calvin Ridley, right, Uh, for Atlanta. Uh, And if you've seen him, you know that uh, even though there were some question marks about his overall athleticism, one thing that Calvin Ridley had, which ultimately sold me at at least on – him being like a top 50 caliber prospect. One thing he had is 4-4 speed. You're going to see that from Olave. He's going to have that 4-4 speed. Garrett Wilson might not be that fast. He might be more like a 4-5 guy, but he's still fast enough. He's fast on. He's fast with the pads on, and he makes plays, and he gets open. He's probably the better contested catch receiver of the two. Yep. But you've got two you know, brilliant receivers. One thing we want to watch for Olave this year, can he break tackles? And the other thing, ball security. He had some fumble problems last year because he's not afraid to take on hits, but unfortunately he's not built to take on big hits, and that uh, led to a few fumbles last year. So, so far so good. Olave was able to evade some tackles last week, pick up, like I said, big yards after the catch, and Ohio State ultimately ends up winning by a couple scores there. If you bet the line, depending on where you were, it was either a push or you may have fallen just short because I think they were either 14 or 14 and a half, depending on where you put your wager down. Well, and Minnesota was smart because they just said, all right, look, we don't want to get blown out. It's kind of how <laughs> Minnesota played. We don't want to get blown out. We're going to keep this as close as we possibly can. Um, and also, but just looking at the state of this Browns roster right now and the way it is, Justin, and you know, if you, know, you look wide receiver, obviously could be an issue. We'll see what happens with the offensive line 
for me, I, I just think they're going to find a way to make it work because you're stupid not to to get the offensive line intact. You got to look at the defensive line, whether it's interior or whether it's edge. Look, Jadavian's here on a, on a one-year contract. Tax here on a one one-year contract. Joe Jackson, I guess, maybe drew the the wild card benefit of getting to be chosen to be DN number four. Um, that is not secure in any way. But edge or interior defensive line, this is probably something else that's going to be a major, major need that's going to have to be addressed next April. For sure. And you're not going to get the top defensive end in this class if you're if you're a Cleveland fan because – you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is the top edge rusher in the class, and he's probably – He's going top you know, five in every mock draft right now. Yeah, and, you know, some quarterbacks probably going to f- find their way into the number one pick spot. But right now, if you ask me who's the best player in the class, the best, best prospect in the class, it's Kayvon Thibodeau. And I know some sites have Kyle Hamilton, the safety from from uh, Notre Dame, but from a positional Is that recency value, bias because they and, watched Monday night or no? <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know, it's uh, – They kept saying Ed Reed, I, and I hate to say – and I hate to put anybody in the ilk of Sean Taylor, but he does some really, really funky stuff that you're like, dude, like he was on the uh, – outside of the opposite hash. And yeah. that interception on the other sideline is like, dude, that's weird because I've only seen a couple of people do things like that and it wasn't so much Ed Reed because that's an athleticism thing. And that really wasn't yeah. Ed Reed's thing. Sean Taylor was the freaky, long-legged, long-strided safety who did things like that. And that's what that interception reminded me. Yeah, and that was amazing. And I was like, uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton, that is an amazing play. And then I then I watched the uh, <clears throat> Nevada-Cal game to watch Carson Strong for Nevada, the quarterback there. And uh, Cal safety actually made a play like that too to make an interception. So before we get all hyped – um, great play by Kyle Hamilton, but it it can be done. Uh, so Thibodeau, you know, he's the best player in, in the class for me, best prospect. Uh, and then the edge class kind of thins out, right? Um, the next guy maybe is maybe it's Drake Jackson from USC. Maybe it's uh, Kingsley Enigbari from uh, South Carolina. It could be, you know, this is a player I think – could could work his way into it is Zach Harrison from again from Ohio State, mm-hmm. who he hasn't done much statistically to this point. Now he's the man. He's a captain. He had a strip sack that got returned for a fumble last Thursday. So keep an eye on Harrison because he and Thibodeau were in the same recruiting class and they were one and two. Thibodeau was one, Harrison was two. And he is actually not only is he at Ohio State, just down the road from Cleveland, but he's actually from Columbus. Uh, the Columbus area. He went to high school there in at Olentangy Orange High School, where my sister actually teaches. Oh, interesting enough. And if we're going to talk Ohio State defensive line, um, Pete Smith, it's, uh, I'm probably getting the text as we speak right now. Yeah. Pete is thrilled with the Ohio State defensive line as obviously you know, one of his players. And, you know, as we talked about many, many times, uh, you know, Pete's, they, they, they have a player now in Columbus. And he was actually. Incredible to see as a true freshman making the first travel roster of the 2021 season. Look, it does not matter to us, Justin, as far as who is the top quarterback in the 2022 class. Sam Howell, there's some things I really like. There's some things that certainly cause some pause and hesitation. And everybody was trying to give him a hard time about his debut this year. Look, it's really tough when all your boys are gone. It really is. (laughs) Um, 
And then there's Spencer Rattler down at Oklahoma. Who is, for you, Justin, right now, the top quarterback in the potential 2022 NFL draft class? You know, going into the season, I'm probably going to stick with Rattler because he is going to have a big season. He did not play well last Saturday. That program translates well to the NFL. Obviously, they love what's going on down there. And that's the thing. He has a very, very strong arm, and he and he has running ability. Although he does not run very much, he has running ability. Um, he he's easily better than than Sam Howell for me. How was be, uh, billed as a Baker Mayfield clone, and I thought that uh, people were selling Mayfield short athletically in comparison to Howell. I, I don't think Howell is uh, as mobile as Baker is. Uh, Baker's more dangerous with his feet, and um, I just think he's kind of a different animal when it comes to competitive nature. And that's something I've learned when he's got, since he's gotten into the pros, I wasn't a, a huge fan of him as a prospect against those other guys in that class, but um, I've come to respect his competitive nature and uh, his toughness. I'm not sure that it's not that how isn't tough or isn't competitive. I just don't think he has the ability. I don't think he has the same uh, overall ability. Uh, Matt Corral from Ole Miss. We have to keep an eye on him. He had a huge game the other day. He's got a strong arm, easy velocity. He's coming from uh, Lane Kiffin offense. Not everything that he does there translates, but he played very well the other day. I think he's going to be in for a big season. Dark horse Malik Willis from Liberty because he is the guy with probably the strongest arm in the class, and he is the best runner in the class too. So he can make big plays with his feet. He runs um, maybe a sub 4.5, and he's built he's about 6'1", about 230 pounds, according to Bruce Feldman. So no, those are the top guys right now. Tape. Yep. Yeah. Those are the top guys tape. right now. And as we mentioned earlier, this is something, you know, quarterbacks with athletic ability, with legs to be able to extend plays, whether it's to throw the ball or to pick up easy yards. This is big, big transition here within the NFL, the way things are going right now. Um, and it, it's fun to talk about quarterbacks when you don't need one because right. we can nitpick and, Cherry Pig and who the hell cares about it? He is Justin Higdon uh, at AFC to NFC, uh, the draft break uh, breakdown pod, which is back. Um, and, and for so many of us who are now doing what we were doing, draft breakdown was, I mean, it was it was a godsend. It was essential. It was huge. And it's, you know, to have it back in some way just kind of feels right in that instance. So make sure you're checking that out. You want to be a Patreon, go ahead and, again, throw some shekels to Justin and the family. There's mouths to feed. Go ahead and do that. Make sure you're following at AFC to NFC, um, certainly on college football weekends. You can check out some thoughts from Justin. Show itself, Locked on Browns. Follow back account, as everybody knows. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are always open. Throw a follow over there. Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen to your, uh, your podcast, make sure you're subscribed or following the Locked on Browns podcast. Leave the five-star ratings and written reviews. And with that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.